Thank you guys so much for listening to Honey and Hustle. We are a visual podcast that features conversations with small business owners, creative entrepreneurs, and those in the nonprofit community. We're so glad that we started sharing our podcast here on Anchor FM. And if you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer, and it will distribute the podcast for you so it can be heard on all the major platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and so many more. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. If you're listening to this right now, download the free Anchor app or go to Anchor FM to get started. This video is sponsored by Blackology Coffee Company. Blackology Coffee Company is a black woman-owned business here in the Triangle. For all my creators looking for their new favorite caffeine fix or just a quick pick-me-up, Blackology offers everything from African coffee beans to a breakfast blend and coffee mugs to pair with all this deliciousness. Click the link in the description for 10% off your order today. My name is Angela, and today I'm here with the creator, storyteller, author, social media extraordinaire, who is the creator of the book, The Bulls of Durham, and welcome to the Bull City. Um, so happy to introduce Shayla Amir of The Bulls of Durham. Hi, thanks for having me. Thank you for coming out. Um, so, I don't know if people like saw this and can't see this on the screen, but you also are on the Shaved Head Club yes, here. Yes, the Lady Fade Club. <laughs> So, it's hot in the south. We have to do what we have to do to stay cool. Yes. <laughs> so, Anything and everything. Um, so, I really want to jump in today about all, everything the Bulls of Durham is very yeah. much um, embodying the spirit of Durham, the Bull City, um, what people have come to know and love about living here, experiencing the culture. Mm-hmm. Um, so, can you tell me a little bit about your idea behind the book itself and then behind the brand, the Bulls of Durham? Bulls of Durham is probably the best drunk decision I've ever made. I, I mean, I don't even want to try to front or dilute that because it's really what it is. I moved to Durham after visiting one time, and I just that one time I came to visit, I just instantly knew this is home, this is my purpose, which I don't really communicate with a higher power a lot, but it was like a very clear, visceral, this is where you're supposed to be in life. And I'm like, what the hell? I was just coming. I did not know what Durham was until I was in it. Um, and so a month later I packed what fit in my car and I moved here forever and I was very curious like there's bulls everywhere and I'm, I'm a nosy person that's how you end up with like four degrees in science you're like how does this work what does this do and so I'm always trying to like the backstory and I love people's stories I, I'm just nosy auntie um, and so I had this idea for the book like I wanted to know what's up with the bulls and how like there has to be everything makes sense in context but when you first hit Durham, nothing makes sense. So I just wanted to know the context of it. And I was like, I'm not from around here. No one's gonna interview me, be doing an interview with me. No one's gonna talk to me. No one's gonna give me the time of day. That was 100% wrong. Um, the idea wouldn't leave me alone. Like I couldn't sleep, it was waking me up. And then I just kind of noticed things and I started like collecting stories. And then I was at um, Pompieri Pizza. I wanna say it's off of Mangum. And if you have the outdoor seating, you can see uh, the other restaurant owned by the same person. You can see Pompieri Pizza, and you're next to Dos Perros. And I was on my second glass of wine, and it comes in mason jars there. (laughs) So I was not like inappropriately drunk, but definitely happy. 
and I swear to goodness, and it could have been the wine, I'm open to that, but there was no wind. I'm from the wind, I recognize it. Um, the Bull City Brewery sign wiggled at me. And it was almost like, you know, like, here's your sign, literally. And I wanted to, you know, find the bull, find the story behind the bull. And I was just going to write a book. I didn't think anyone would notice. I didn't think anyone would say yes to an interview. I'm just the random Iranian from Wyoming. Who's gonna talk to me? Um, and so for some more context to that, Wyoming is highly xenophobic. Like universities doing research on the behavioral patterns, highly xenophobic. If you are not from around there, you are not from around there, no matter how many years you live there, period. You are different, you are the other. So um, to come from that environment to Durham where people are up in your business, I mean, you have to like protect your privacy here if you want me, otherwise it's gone and people, and it's because we're all kind of like this family, like once you're in, good luck getting out. Like it, it's very much so that way. So I had the idea for the book. Um, I didn't get any no's. Um, and so, you know, I started out, I found a restaurant, um, Bull Street, now Bull and Bean. Interviewed the owner and, you know, it was just like by chance her husband did West Village. And so I was able to land that interview, but um, I ended every interview with who do you think would be a good contribution to this book because mm -hmm. it was just going to be a book and um, I'm in interview number two with my now Durham mom mm -hmm. Dr. Palmer who has Bull City Dental uh, downtown but her other practice A New Reason to Smile I think she's had that practice for 34 years oh. yeah she's badass I <laughs> love my mom um, she uh, I'm interviewing her and Dr. Kemp and I said who do you think would be a good contribution to this book and she says, call my friend Bill. And I, and I've shared this story with her. She's in the know. Like in my head, I was like, yeah, I'll call Bill. What, what does Bill do? You know, like, just like call your friend Bill. And I said, okay, what does Bill do? He's the mayor. Oh, I'll just. My casual friend. Yeah. And then it went from, yeah, I'll call Bill too. Oh yeah, sure. I'll call Bill and he'll talk to you. And I was here for less than a year by the time I was sitting in front of the mayor of Durham, one of the most famous mayors in the United States history. Forever Mayor Bill Bell. I was just like, what? And that that right there, that's Durham, you know. So um, one thing led to the next, um, and I had to form the company for every time I was told no, I have a division of my company. So um, I had to write, in my mind, I had to write the book with Durham. It's not my job to hold Durham's history. It's also inappropriate for an outsider. I mean, that was how I was able to get an outsider's perspective looking in and have an unbiased opinion because I didn't know who not to interview, yeah. you know? So I had no bias and that way I had, um, the outsider's perspective is really helpful, almost like the researcher, you know, like, um, and no one had any beef with me so I also didn't get any no's because I mean that's another reason. Um, and get the book done, but I was told no by eight publishers that it was impossible to get my book done, let alone get it done on time without a team of eight and university help. And so they all got copies of the book, plus the book that was published five months prior and let them know that it was published on time to the minute. Thank you very much. Um, and I'm the publisher. So as a result of that, between the social media was a way that I gathered interviews and shared the history with Durham. Um, over 200 members of this community wrote one book. I mean, yeah, I was just the medium is how I feel like it all came. I was a conduit that it came through um, and steering that ship, so to speak. But it was really 
Durham wrote that book, uh, to 200 people in this community to create that book. Mm -hmm. So now we have this huge social media platform mm -hmm. and the book is done. So what do you do with it, right? Like I'm a great, I'm a publishing house. I wrote the books. Like yeah. um, it's great that I don't ever have to like submit something to a publisher, you know, that's, that all that's great, but what do I do? And for me, it wasn't even a question. It was pass the mic, give back the magic to Durham that Durham gave to me. Um, so now we serve, you know, our platform small business owners who normally wouldn't have access to an engaged large audience. You know, they can buy space there, and then we take that money and we pay writers to write the article for the business owner and other articles. And so we have a self-sustaining writer program. We have a publishing division. We have educational programs for small business owners to get their message out. Um, and it's all built on the relationships and the receipts of creating that project. Yeah, I think that's really interesting because, you know, like somebody from the outside looking in right now, tourism in a large part can be driven by Instagram accounts, right? So when they're Googling a certain city or a certain place, you know, they can find, you know, these really accounts that have been really engaged with a lot and kind of see like, oh, this is a good place I was mentioning on the Bulls of Durham. Um, yeah, I want to visit this restaurant or this person has really good things to say about XYZ. Um, but then that's kind of the end of it, right? It's kind of just like this platform where it's a feature community, right? So for people who have been there, people who are visiting, mm -hmm. just to highlight, you know, really cool areas and moments around the city. But you have created really what started as a storytelling project and morphed that into um, an even larger community asset for business owners and tourists and visitors and new residents alike, which is awesome. And we have, um, so here in Durham, the three largest accounts on Instagram, for the most part, um, who are sharing Durham's story are held by white women. Okay. Um, I'm almost half white, so I'm going to say that I'm, I'm going to lump me in that demographic and I'm white passing, I'm cognizant of that. Um, and that's not okay to me. That's, Durham is not white, that's period. Um, Durham is not from whiteness, Durham was not built on whiteness, Durham is not white. So to have, even if someone tries their best, they're never going to be able to share that vantage point that they can't see from. Because everything they're going to approve or recommend or the filters they even use on photos is going to come from the vantage of whiteness because that's the vantage they see through. So for us to be able to pass the mic and our whole purpose, whatever division of our company is, is to share multiple perspectives, the whole book was to show Durham through the bull's eyes and the bull's referencing the people that make Durham mm -hmm. is to share that perspective through multiple vantage points. So the reason that we are successful is because it's Durham's voice. It's not me saying this is what is and what isn't. I mean, to filter, you know, an Iranian American experience is just weird in and of itself. It's definitely not the normal experience of any American, let alone Durham. And so you know, like our photo contest that's going on right now. That thing is on fire. I've had to hire extra staff to manage it. Um, and those photos are from everybody. It's not just those who have professional cameras, you know, and we've even gone, we're always trying to say, how can we make this the most equitable opportunity? Obviously, it's technology. There's a barrier right there. Um, so, how can we make this most equitable? And everything goes through multiple filters. And I am very fortunate that right now my staff is 100% women of color. Mm -hmm. um, 
very fortunate. We do have a writer, I guess I can't say that anymore. We do have a male writer now, um, but my entire staff thus far is people of color. And so just that, just that right there. When a company is, the more diverse a company is, the better it's going to do, but just right there, that's opening up the stories of Durham above and beyond. So we built our whole company to pass the mic, and then um, with the murder of George Floyd, you know, other businesses saying, you know, realizing who we've been excluding. Um, you know, black and brown people have money too. Just <laughs> like, hey, we also have degrees, we have lives, we have thoughts, we have stories to share. Y'all been missing out. Yeah. Y'all have been missing out and turning down our volume and all these other things. And so we're very fortunate that we're building that whole company with what other people are having to stop what they're doing and learn, you know, they've been completely blinders on, not realizing their complicitness, um, and we're fortunate and we're in a space that one of the reasons we're surviving COVID is because we don't have to stop and, and, and learn. Like, we're always learning and do better, be better, but we don't have to learn how to pass the mic because that's what we, we do. Um, so it's just, it's an interesting space to be in and to occupy. Um, I know it makes people uncomfortable that I'm willing to say that it's not okay for three predominantly large accounts to only share things through the voice of straight white women. Yeah, that's definitely an uncomfortable topic, but I think you touched on something that's really interesting with that because it's not just a race thing or a gender thing. What it is is an inclusivity thing, mm -hmm. right? So it's what does your community really look like and is that being reflected in the media? which, I mean, as a photographer, as a filmmaker, like, I definitely think about that constantly. Like, how can I best tell stories that are representative of the community, of people, um, and to people that are looking from the outside in, what are they seeing, right? Is that a true representation of their experience? Are their voices being heard and amplified? Um, and also an interesting strategy for surviving a pandemic, you know, which is, like, right. focus on having systems from the jump that allow you to meet the needs of your community, inclusivity, um, you know, really practicing what you preach by also hiring according to what your community looks like, um, which is can be difficult for people um, if they're not thinking about it like that, right? Right, right. For us to have a company where we hold those conversations, where we make it our, our mission, where we are a safe space, um, I'm very open about that, but also my journey, I'm very public with it. Like, I don't try to let people know, like, you don't need to, like, go on Instagram and tell everybody you had a conversation about race, like, that is, please don't do that, that is not anti-racism work, but for me as a business owner to say, I fucked up, help me find my blind spots, let's talk about this, and to be held in such regard by the community, and they're like, to normalize it, um, and for them to see, like, wait, that's also good for business? Oh, oh, so I, you have to incentivize people when you tell them that just found out you have a lot of work to do and it never ends and you're never going to get it right. And it's just as wrong that we spent over a century having news reporting Durham as a bad place, as a dangerous place, as black being synonymous with bad and dangerous, that part, and dirty being synonymous with black, you know, and all this racial nastiness that was put onto Durham that is just as dangerous as only showing the gentrified cleaned up portions of Durham. It's just as dangerous because it's not the full and whole story. And when you only show one perspective, if we only show it through the vantage of whiteness, who's going to pull up? 
they're gonna think like this is this is where I'm supposed to be. <laughs> <laughs> and they're gonna think it's okay to to that that previous narrative that Durham is dangerous and dangerous being used as a euthanism for blackness. They're gonna think that is okay now because we it's not dangerous anymore. So I can go. What you're saying is it's not black anymore. I can go. That is not okay. That is not the truth of Durham. So um, we've had all over Durham, we've had some really healthy and growing conversations. It's accompanied um, difficult conversations, I believe. Uh, but I'm Iranian American. My existence is a difficult conversation. Like my countries don't really like each other. Um, so we've had those conversations, but just what's come through that has been so like we I created this in December. Yeah. It took seven months to implement it. We had no idea we would launch this in the midst of COVID when people were craving community so much. Uh, it's just been wonderful that we got to have the opportunity to create a digital space where the community can connect.